Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, a national organization founded in 2007, committed to empowering students to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today, I'm joined by Ronnie Berry, who is a former food rescue board member and chief administrative officer of the National Restaurant Change City Barbecue with over 60 locations across the country. So, Ronnie, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. John, so good to spend some time with you and appreciate you reaching out about doing so. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to sharing this story. So, so Ryan, I'd like to start by giving our audience maybe a little history um, today, and that is that in 2014, our organization um, changed um, our food waste solution efforts to be directed toward food waste in schools rather than food waste in food establishments like grocery stores and restaurants. You know, however, we left behind seven years of impact in that space. And our hope with this interview today is that our typical listeners come to the podcast to maybe learn about school food waste, that they might get a broader view of the food waste problem in our country and discover maybe opportunities uh, to rescue food outside the walls of their schools as well. So that being said, let me give you the opportunity to share with our audience a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got interested in the subject of food waste. Sure. You know, I, I uh, City Barbecue's based in Columbus, Ohio, so I moved here about 12 years ago. It's a scratch brand. You know, prior to here, I, I uh, grew up and, and worked in Indianapolis uh, with a brand called Qdoba Mexican Grill, which is also a scratch brand. Uh, and, you know, the uh, church I went to, Grace Church, was starting to, to do these serve weekends or serve days. This is back, you know, around the time that you you launched Food Rescue. So this is 2007 or somewhere in that range. And, you know, they had kind of a job, I, I call it job fair. It wasn't really a job fair, but there was this serve day, you know, weekend where you could go and learn about all the different serving opportunities that the church had available. And, and yours was one of them. And, you know, somehow, uh, you know, we got connected uh, that day and had conversation and, um, you know, food, the concept of food rescue, I had seen something on like a 60 minute uh, episode um, uh, about some, you know, just the amount of waste in restaurants that occur, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the, you know, the concept I thought was you know, not unique, but certainly important to what I did in the restaurant, you know, world. And, 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 uh, you know, I've been lucky that, you know, God's placed me in some leadership positions to be able to influence what happens in a lot of different things. And, you know, uh, food rescue ended up being, being one of them. Uh, but it came from that, you know, uh, that expo fair deal at, at yeah. the church and, and kind of led, you know, led, led from there. It's, um, Restaurants certainly have a natural place for it. It's interesting just to see the evolution of what you've done within the K-12 because it's yeah. you know, very different entities that both have the same problem going on. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of brands that aren't scratch brands. I, I mean, I've worked for brands, you know, the, the last two brands I've worked for, Qdoba and then City Barbecue, and that's, you know, the last – most of the last 20 years of my life uh, – uh, that I've been in. So they, uh, you know, they both are ones that things are scratch every day and they don't yep. reheat things. And so, you know, there, you know, uh, there is waste, but if you're in a business, 
your objective is to have the least amount of waste as possible, right? I mean, I, I remember when I was a young manager in the '90s, and there was a there was uh, some training that that we had, and this was back in a Don Pablo's day, also a a scratch concept. Um, but there was a uh, there were these twenty principles of Pope, which was a restaurant operator who you know, in the 1970s wrote these 20 rules that you, you live by as a restaurant operator. And, and one of them was that, you know, every, you know, ounce of food that is produced should be used, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, because it's, you know, it's, it's profit. And, uh, uh, and I, I tell you, when you start, when we started at Qdoba and even at city barbecue, and there were a couple of friends, um, I think in the beginning, I, had a friend at a brand in in uh, Indianapolis that that uh, did some food rescue with us in, in the McAllisters group, and I remember his comment to me is what was very eye opening to them was how much waste they really you know had that you just don't know until you start bagging and freezing it for a local pantry to come pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> now that obviously it's you know. Uh, that stuff was going in the trash before that. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I've been fortunate in brands that, that um, I've been in, you know, we city barbecue does a lot of uh, things that are, are things that are left over. You know, we either try to freeze and, and give to our food rescue partner or in many cases there, you know, uh, if we have leftover, you know, pork, shredded pork, it, it goes into our, uh, you know, greens or collard greens. Yeah. And we yeah. reconstitute stuff to uh, make sure it's used and, and has value. And, and so there's some things that we're able to, um, to do that with that can't do it with everything. So that's a little bit about kind of the start of that. So with us. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a lot of times when I interview people, they get the passion somewhere and then they've got to go to the restaurant, you know, or to the grocery <laughs> store or whatever and find somebody in management. But you, you were already in management, you know, so that step, you know, was already done. But still, even even that being the case, there still were some steps that you had to do um, to begin to even think about that, putting putting it implementing it with a large, you know, chain of stores, you know, what do you remember being your, your first steps that you took to, to engage city barbecue in the management with this? You know, I, you know, the, the first piece was, you know, sharing the story about what, you know, got me intrigued and so that people, and I, you know, I think most people, when they hear that story, it's, um, they appreciate it. Um, don't always know, you know, not everybody's in a decision-making uh, position to be able to say, we're going to change what we do and this is what we do. But, you know, it's a, it was a, to some degree, it was an easy sell for people to conceptually wrap their head around. Yeah. I shouldn't throw this stuff in the trash. Right. I should do something with it that somebody else can, can you know, benefit from. And, and there are brands that it's probably easier to do that with than others. But, yeah. you know, I think the, you know, just the logic around it uh, was not hard for people to grasp the concept. <clears throat> I think when you start, in, when we started installing it, you know, you're changing behavior. You know what I mean? People are, you know, I, I joke with some of our folks a lot of times. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're a, a restaurant manager, no matter what your brand is, um, your routine is this 
box you go into. You go to the same box every day. Your routine is, you know, I do these 20 things before we open the doors and I do these 20 things after we close the doors. I mean, it's like there's a, uh, there's a routine that you do and it doesn't really change. It's, you know, then there's those people in life that they're salespeople and they're out on the streets and they're, you know, uh, it's a static versus a non-static environment, you know? And so people get into the routines. And so the hardest thing for us in the beginning wasn't the selling people on the concept of it. It was, you know, how you handle the stuff, you know, that you may, the food that you produce every day and what you do with what's left over at the end of the night, because their habit was to throw it away. So, you know, there's a little bit investment, you know, you, you, you know, we had to, and food rescue was, was helpful in the beginning on, on we we're I've worked in concepts we don't really have uh, freezers you know City mm-hmm. Barbecue doesn't have freezers since mm-hmm. it's fresh and so um, you know we you know, food rescue helped us with some very simple hundred dollar you know uh, chest freezers you can get from your local Menards or yeah. you know, wherever and uh, and that you know helped us take some barriers out of the way and but you know the expense really for the stores was really you know bagging you know food and. Which you know is you know is pretty nominal. So, yeah. but that was the really the barrier was the the habit change for people to do something different with it, uh, and to put it you know uh, in the freezer, and that's not what they did before, and and, and that would take time. And, and then the the other piece was just you know making sure you had food rescue partners, pantry partners that were going to be consistent and reliable at picking it up because, you know, sometimes what would happen in some cases, and there are some great ones out there. And then there are, there are some that, Hey, it's, it's a volunteer network for, that's right. Right. And so tell your friends, you know, there's a great way to, to give back by being a, you know, a, uh, you know, being with a pantry and being a partner that volunteers to go pick up food because I know a lot of them struggle to get those folks. But, but uh, you know, I remember some cases where we had, we had stores where they did a great job of of uh, bagging the food, labeling the food, putting it in the freezer, um, and then they'd run out of room because something happened and a volunteer partner you know didn't uh, show up for a couple of weeks, and then they're overflowing, and it just kind of breaks the cycle of people to continue to do it. You know, so uh, that that was you know I think part the, the toughest part was those habits, and then you know when you know the cycle didn't. You know, there's a saying in the food waste space, having been involved in this net for now 18 years, it says we don't have a food supply problem, we have a food distribution problem. And that food distribution problem, one of the things that's entailed in that is exactly what you said. It's the coordination of people that are volunteers that it just disrupts the distribution of just the nature of that whole thing. So it's definitely something that's a hurdle that has to be crossed. I always tell schools, if you don't have a good food pantry partner, you don't have a program. You got to have, you just got to have that relationship. So can you give me an idea if if it's, you know, after all these years, would you say that it's completely a company policy um, or is it kind of hit and miss or how many stores do you think currently participate? Yeah. I'd say barbecue is a brand that we're not a, we need to be more of a policy company than we, than we are, but we're, we are uh, based on values. Uh, so we believe, you know, this is our thing, go back to food rescue was a natural concept for our founder, Rick Mailer to, to buy into and reinforce because he was a farmer. He grew up on a farm. 
Uh, he was a president of FFA, uh, you know, in that kind of gap year between high school and college. Uh, he worked for uh, John Deere and, you know, was, but in, in his heart was an entrepreneur. But, you know, he's, he's all at, a, at his core. He's a farm kid. And so his uh, belief is that, you know, whatever, whether it's livestock or it's plants from a farm, that there was lots of hard work put in to care for and get those products to market and that they should, similar to those principles of Pope that I said earlier, you know, that, that um, you know, a restaurant manager should do everything to honor uh, that animal or that plant yeah. or the work that yeah. a farmer did to make sure that it's, you know, uh, self-actualized basically. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, the, the, is it policy to do food rescue for us? Yes. The, the challenge that's happened for us probably, uh, you know, we're at 70 stores. Mm. I would say the last, um, probably the last 25 to 35 stores, the, our our uh, um, blueprint for our our stores and the layout of of the kitchens, um, you know, we're not design. We didn't design. We don't have freezers, and so then when yeah. you try to throw a freezer, even a small chest freezer, into the mix, if it's not part of the the layout design from our construction architecture folks, finding a place to be able to have the freezer is more difficult than you would think. Yeah, and and so, uh, and there are some, uh, and for the most part, the the design of our our stores are are the same. But it's um, you know we've run into it's kind of some barriers with that. And so you know there's probably half of our our stores that are that are really good with uh, and probably the original. Mm-hmm. Group. And the, mm-hmm. the latter stores have a little more of a of a struggle. They they in there we have a when we open a new store. There's a new store opening manual that they use, and you know, one of the things in there is to establish a partnership with a local pantry. Mm. Um, and and so, you know, you know, many of them are doing a great job with it. Um, uh, there are some that miss out because it comes, you know, down to do I do I have a freezer and where do I plug it in, and you know, and then I get to the whole get the habit of my people at the end of the night to do something with the yeah. food. Um, you know, I mean, so that's, those are some of those barriers and we're, we're still fighting through that. I actually was on a call uh, in the last month with the uh, food rescue organization nationally that uh, I think you, you uh, gave the food rescue name up to. I'm not sure how that that's worked. A kind, that's a kind way of saying it. <laughs> Maybe there was, they are, they are very, they are very good at what they do. And, and did you get happy. any NIL money for it? <laughs> Did not, no. uh, you said that. But. But, so I was having a conversation with those folks here in Columbus, Ohio, and just, you know, looking at can we, because we don't have freezers and, and sometimes it's tough to find the space for it because, you know, as a, you know, as a brand, we're always trying to look at how can we be more efficient? How can you cut costs in your building? Um and so, you know, the, the space is really a commodity, you know? Yeah. And, and so, uh, but we have walk-ins and we have pretty big walk-ins. And so I was, mm-hmm. I was really talking to them about, well, how frequent could you get a, you know, partner to come pick up stuff? Because we may take a, you know, different approach of bagging and placing in a storage 
bin of sorts in the walk-in, labeling it and having it be a food rescue barrel, basically. And, uh, you know, so long as somebody comes and picks it up regularly, it's not an issue that, you know, the, you you still have the, uh, you know, you still have the health departments and such that come and and look at, you know, stuff. And as long as we're in those guidelines, obviously, which we are, but so we're, we still kind of fight through that. We need to adjust and just really have that conversation as recent as a month ago. But, but, um, yeah, there's opportunity and look, we have, we have product that, uh, you know, not as much as, as most, but we have some product that goes in the trash and we need to avoid it. And as Rick, you know, said a long time ago, we should honor the farmer and the animal and the lot and the, you know, the, um, things from the field that were grown. Yeah. yeah so. he, he did that interview and recorded it um, that we put on our website for a while. And it was, that perspective was very unique. I'd never heard anybody kind of say it from that angle. So I always love having that in our archive, you know, of, you know, just one yet one more reason, you know, to do this. Um, and I'm also, I would mention also that we, I, I get on the, you know, the, the newsletters of some of the caring agencies, the original ones that were, um, participating and it was very cool the other day to get uh, an email from circle city relief and and one of their things was that that they were serving city barbecue meals little caesar's meals just things that were going on they're just continuing on to this day through the management of the relationship between the caring agencies and the you know the uh, restaurants and so forth so just uh, love seeing that kind of thing um so not all food establishment owners are aware of the tax incentive of donating instead of discarding. Um, you know, where's, where does city barbecue on, on that front? Are you still utilizing that or is that something that is, is too much of an accounting thing to, to bother with? Yeah. I mean, you know, it starts with, you go back to the, I guess I, I'll start with this because of kind of the principles and values of the company, the tax credit piece was the least of our worries. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is real and, uh, it is something people should take advantage uh, of in the system to, to, to uh, get something back for doing the good that you do. Um, but that creates another habit. You know, the managers have to track what they are bagging and logging. And we have people that are great at that piece and we have people that aren't. So, I mean, I think across our system, you know, you have, you have a lot of people who, who save bag and have the food picked up by a partner. And then you have you know some batch of those people who are great at doing it and they record it in our inventory system so that, you know, uh, the accounting department can uh, use that info uh, to, from a tax perspective, uh, you know, have that, have that posted. And, um, you know, you know, to, to us, it, it, uh, um, you know, it's a nice uh, thing. It's, it's an extra thing for us and not every, not every store. We're not, we're all company owned, so we're not franchised. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we have some people that track it well and do it. And and that advantage, you know, that tax credit, you know, comes back to the company, but, but um, we certainly could be better at, at utilizing Mm -hmm. that lever in the system for sure. So can you give our audience kind of an idea of in one week, you know, what a store, how many pounds of food a store might have, you know, high to low maybe or low to high, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, 
you know, I, I was uh, looking at some of that data the other day. I mean, you know, I would say the average, you know, the average store, uh, and there are some products uh, that you find. There, there's a handful of products that are what goes that gets bagged and and uh, and, and kept in, in a in a freezer the, to have a partner pick up. And, and those and those are some pretty starchy things. I know pantries, you know, really seek proteins. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we have some some proteins. You know, I mean, um, sometimes I think we'll find uh, you know turkey is a is an item. We have six. Our business has six premium meats. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them have a place to go when uh, the day is over, and you know, and um, you know, if there's half of a, a brisket that's left on the chopping block at the end of the day, we don't refrigerate it and use it the next day. Right. It goes and gets reconstituted into to something else, baked beans if it's yeah. rusty or yeah. chili or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, you know, the, there's a one meat that's not like that, and turkey is not something we always have a place to to put it. And so sometimes there's some of that left. Um, but for the most part, it's things like cornbread and corn pudding and mac and cheese and yes. peach cobbler. Uh, you know, all those things. You know, you know that are that are great, and and I think those who who uh, receive them later appreciate them. Uh, but you know, it's you know, I would say on an average. You know, average day, a you know, a, a store probably has a dozen loaves of, of cornbread. You know, they probably have twenty servings of corn pudding or twenty servings of, of mac and cheese. Um, probably a little less on cobbler. You know, probably about ten servings of cobbler. So, um, you know, what that equates to in pounds, I'd have to go look up. But I mean, it's um, it adds you know, up. It adds <laughs> up. Yeah, it adds up. So. Uh, there's, there's certainly, and I try to get that to you by day, just for people to kind of get a, a perspective of, you know, of that. And uh, again, I, re- I remember my friend Kent, who ran that uh, group from McAllister's, and mm-hmm. when he first started, and he's like, you know, they he just didn't. Some some companies do a great job of of the inventory and the restaurant world works off of an actual versus theoretical mm-hmm. um, equation. So that, you know, the, when things are tied to your POS system where things are ring up and the, you know, it, it knows by how much you ring up, how much you should have sold. And so there's this difference between what you actually used and what the computer says you should have used. And that, that actual versus theoretical um difference, you know, is, is where, you know, restaurant companies try to manage their food cost and some places do that great. And some, you know, some may not, and uh, it's eye opening and you get a big aha moment with it. So, um, but I, I remember that because, you know, there, you know, uh, we have, as a brand have done a pretty good job of trying to minimize that over mm-hmm. the years. And, and look, what's you know our goal would be that we have zero food waste and yeah the reason we have zero food yeah. waste is because to some portion we reconstitute and then what's left over we give to a food pantry through food rescue and that's our you know that is our you know mission uh, yep. to help the cause and, and you know whether it be a school or whether it be a restaurant, that is feedback that we've gotten from almost everyone is that it is eye opening and that it does allow you to make adjustments. 
um, for, wow, now that I'm seeing this, what if we tried this and what if we've tried that? Yeah. And ultimately, it typically does end up in a reduction of food waste. So right. there's a benefit yeah. to a business specifically just saying, wow, sure. wow, what if we engage in this? Maybe we'll actually improve our cost, you know, by yeah. being more efficient. So, um, yeah, you, know, you, gave, you, you provided a great tool. I mean, I, you, you think about how people would view that of, oh, yeah, we should give this to the local uh, pantry. Look, in the end, your goal in the very beginning was just wanting to reduce waste in yes. the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. it doesn't matter whether it goes to a pantry. That's nice when it can, when you have it. But in the end, it's did you reduce waste and how that, you know, uh, attributes – contributes to greenhouse gases yeah. or whatever the yeah. other things are, yeah. it, it, you know, I guess it, it really doesn't matter, right? The, the, what matters is, did you reduce it? <laughs> Whether it was, yeah. and, and then by the way, you made your business more profitable if you, you know, adjusted and made, made those changes internally. And um, so. Yeah, that's what I've always Thank thought. you for that, John. <laughs> I appreciate that. I've always said, you know, there's definitely a lot of different um, legs of the stool to, to rescuing food. It's not just one thing. There's just several benefits to it. So, you know, I was looking at city barbecues growth over the years since, since I met you and it's like, it's like grown like 300% um, since, well, even well, since you started food rescue, you know, I was thinking, you know, if it grew another 300%, you'd be up to 200 stores. And I was thinking about, you know, businesses that grow into these huge change, whether it be what over a thousand or whatever, I don't know what, how you would measure to be enormous in the, in the food industry. But it's just so much easier to start from the beginning with that as a core value than it is to take a large organization that's got a thousand or two thousand stores and say, now we're going to implement in this all of our stores. So I love that you've kind of started it, you know, since the inception, if you will. Yeah, you think about that, just using numbers I said earlier, um, uh, you know, and I, you think about for us, um, you know, we the the systems you know that we use you know kind of your guest count so you're producing corn pudding or mac and cheese or brisket or whatever based on a forecast of guest counts mm -hmm. and so you know and obviously for so if we just think about one store and and what that is they're they're planning production and prep based on that guest count so by nature and they try to get as close as they can but the reality is you're probably going to have a pan of corn pudding or a pan of mac and cheese or maybe sometimes two pans on some days because, you know, you produced it and, you know, you got, you know, two inches of snow and ice yeah. like you did in the last two days. But um, and, and so if you think about that today, I mean, we have 70 stores. My, my guess is, you know, yesterday there were. 70 pans of corn pudding and 70 pans mm -hmm. of mac and cheese and 70 pans of cobbler across the brand that were, um, that were, um, you Either know, rescued or thrown out. Or thrown out. Yeah. So yeah, when you multiply that, you know, that's just at 70 stores. So, I mean, we're on our way, you know, in the next five years, we'll probably get to 140 is my mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. So yeah, you continue to double or what have you. And, and that adds up. So on that chain of thought of there being, you know, different legs of the stool to rescuing food, you know, you're an administrative officer, you know, of the company, you know, how would you say the program has been received by the employees? And do you think it assists building a culture um, and a sense of purpose beyond just profits uh, with so many, you know, employees seem to value these days? Yeah. Yeah. And especially younger generation, you know, very, 
connected to give back and community mm-hmm. and cause and, and social justice in some yep. cases. Uh, and I think they identify with that. They connect with it. It's, you know, we, we try to do um, a good job with connecting, you know, our, our teammates uh, in the stores, they, they, you know, if you think about it, they go back to the routine, their routine of coming to work and making the donuts every day, you know, for, for us, it's making brisket or this other stuff, but they, they've gotten the routine at the end of the day that they, uh, that, that they, um, you know, bag it at the end of the night, how well they connect to the local partner, mm-hmm. um, you know, is a good question. And we're trying to do more to, to help them connect to them, not just bag it, but try to give them volunteer opportunities to help, um, you know, to help uh, these partners that we've got in the communities. And, and uh, because it is part, it is part of the cultural experience with us. You know, we're a values driven brand where um, being involved in the community and being a partner in the community is who we are. And, and, uh, and that's always been that way. I mean, you know, the generations change from, we're celebrating our 25th year this year. Um, and, um, you know, but the values are the same, you know, as they were in 1998 when Rick was writing a manifesto for what he wanted to have in his company. Well, it's just amazing. Um, 25 years. It's a lot of businesses don't make it 25 years. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what advice would you have for people that are interested maybe in approaching food establishments to recover, you know, this food that might otherwise be thrown away? You know, I use your, use your network. Uh, think about uh, who you know, where you are, and it just starts with a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. all, you, all you can do is share the idea, share why it's, yeah. you know, makes you passionate about it and, and the good that it is and, and um, let those conversations take the next step, you know, and but it starts yeah, with the conversation, you know, you can't yeah. be afraid to just, you know, have the conversation. I always tell people, take a 10 or 11 year old with you <laughs> because they'll listen to the kid more than they'll listen to you. Yeah. So, uh, so if anyone's interested in learning more about uh, rescuing food and restaurants from a restaurant perspective, is there any way they might reach out to you and how might they do that? Yeah, yeah, you can email me at rberry at citybbq.com. That's R-B-E-R-R-Y at citybbq.com. Happy to to share the story and give counsel, if that's what it's called. Oh, very cool. So, John, thank you for what you've done and, and uh, grateful for the relationship we've had all those years and what you started and you, you know, just uh, know that you've done – great work and continue to do it. I appreciate those kind words. And it's been fun today to kind of take a trip down memory lane uh, of sorts um, in, in that first, you know, seven years of our existence and, and that that impact still goes on to this day. So I appreciate you communicating that story with us and have a great day, my friend. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye.